Well, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. I'm so glad you're joining in today. I want to just say a big welcome to those watching here at Franklin Campus or Nolensville or Nashville, and so thankful for everybody joining in online, wherever you are in the United States, wherever you are in the world. I believe that God has a word for us today. I really do. I believe that God wants to speak to us, and I'm so thankful that you're watching today. You know, you're making God the priority for this week. You're starting the week off with him, and and I'm so thankful for that. It says in the Bible, right? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. One of the big commandments for us to remember the Sabbath and for us to make it holy, a time of worship, a time of God's word, and you are doing that today. You know, for all of us, 2020 hasn't been what we thought, right? We've been in this kind of unreal time, this unprecedented time. And yet, I think many of us thought we would get back to some normalcy. We, we thought we would go back to work or, or go back to school or sports would come back. And, and yet, at work, we have social distancing, you know, and we're trying to figure out at home or we're in the office and then at school, is it going to be online or in person? And even sports has been a challenge, right? Uh, Major League Baseball had opening weekend a couple of weekends ago and this play happened. Guys run into first and look what he runs into. I mean, right there, right? Somebody put this meme up, 2020, me. You know, maybe you feel like that, man. Maybe you feel like you've just gotten run over and there you are. But I want to encourage you today, go forward. I want to encourage you today that God is not finished with you, that God is still at work in the middle of 2020, and for us to be people who move forward in our lives. Hey, today we're launching this brand new series, and I'm so excited about this series. You, you know, here at Rolling Hills, we plan like two years in advance. We plan out series and where we're going because we want to help people grow in the knowledge of the Word and become fully mature disciples. And so we've been looking at this series for two years, and God in sovereignty knew exactly where we would be as a nation, as a people, and what our needs would be. We started at Christmas looking at Emmanuel, God with us, how Jesus walks into our mess. Jesus walks into our world and brings help and hope. We saw that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man for us to grow and to be healthy physically, mentally, socially, spiritually. And then we saw Jesus' teaching ministry and his healing ministry and how miracles still happen. And then we celebrated this incredible Easter, right? And Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, and that we know death can't even keep Jesus down. There's nothing that can stop Jesus, that when we are with him, we are in Christ and we are victorious in him. And then we walked into Acts and we saw the early church and the explosion and the growth and the Holy Spirit moving, and all these people being transformed for the glory of God. And then this summer, we've been walking with this guy named Saul, right? Saul, who was probably 28 to 31 years old, and he was living his life, and he was there. He was successful. He had lots of money. He was religious, but he didn't know Jesus. And inside, he was angry. He was bitter. He was scared. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's where you've been in life living with this fear and anxiety. But then what happened to Saul? Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus and his life was forever changed. And God started doing an incredible work in him and bringing joy and peace and purpose. And Saul became the apostle Paul, wrote over half the New Testament. His purpose became, I wanna know Jesus and make him known. When we live out that purpose, everything changes. And Saul, the apostle Paul, moves forward in this, life with Jesus. And God does an incredible work through him, just like God wants to do in you and in me. And so let's go on this journey together. Let's move forward. 
And let's watch God transform our lives in 2020 and beyond. Hey, if you have a Bible, I invite you up with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter one. This was written by that guy, Saul, who becomes the apostle Paul, written 25 years after he met Jesus on that road to Damascus. He's been a Christ follower for 25 years. God's been working in his heart and changing his life. And there is such depth and wisdom here. I'm so excited for today. And so if you have a Bible, wherever you are, hey, dial in with us, Philippians chapter one. Maybe you have a mobile device you can access at version. you know, if you're watching online and you can grab your, another device and pull it up. Pull the scriptures with us here. Philippians, we're gonna be in chapter one today. Check this out. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. So Paul's writing this, and here's the amazing part. Paul's writing this in AD 61, and he's writing from prison. Seriously, he's writing from prison in Rome. Okay, so he has been put in prison because of being a Christ follower, because of preaching the gospel. He always wanted to go to Rome. He always wanted to go there and plant churches in such a strategic city. But now he finds himself there in prison. And he says, Paul and Timothy, servants. I love he doesn't say, I am the great apostle Paul. No, he just says, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. Now, here's what's amazing. You may remember that in Acts 16, Paul went on a mission trip to this place, Philippi. And Philippi was a strategic town. It was a city in Northern Greece, and it kind of was on the trade route between Europe and Asia. And so it was wealthy, it was a successful place. And Paul goes there and he meets a woman named Lydia, leads her to Christ, right? And she was a dealer in purple cloth, pretty wealthy, well-to-do. So the church met at her house. He uh, healed this servant girl, right? Cast this demon out of her. And then you may remember Paul and Silas were in jail and they're singing praises at midnight and the jail doors fly open. But instead of leaving, you know, they stayed. And, and the jailer is getting ready to kill himself because he knows, hey, if any of the prisoners escape, I'm dead. And, and they go, hey, buddy, we're here. And he goes, what must I do to be saved? I mean, your God is obviously God. And they lead him to Christ and his whole family's baptized. And so the church in Philippi, here you go. You've got a well-to-do lady, so upper class. Then you've got middle class, this Roman soldier, this jailer. And then you got lower class, the servant girl. But the church has obviously grown over the years. Now they've got overseers and deacons. But it was a church that was really special to Paul. And he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, the grace of God. Woo, praise God for his grace. And we are saved by his grace and peace. Man, do you need peace today? Need peace today? God's peace is there and God's peace is with you. Verse three, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Notice that, I always pray with joy. You're thinking, you're in prison. Yeah, but I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. I love that, partnership. You know, at Rolling Hills, we call people partners. Uh, we don't call members. Members is okay. Uh, but a lot of times when you think about being a member of something, maybe a member of a country club, everybody serves you. But a partner, you're in it together. And as a church, we're in it together. And whether we're at Nolensville or Nashville or Franklin or online campus, we're all in this together. We're partnering together. We're locking arms for the gospel in our day, in our generation. Partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you 
will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, God's not finished with you, church in Philippi. God's not finished with you, church at Rolling Hills. God's not finished with you individually. God is at work. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul loved this church. I mean, you know, I love our church. I mean, I love what God's doing here. I'm just so thankful and grateful. Paul loved this church. It was so close to him and dear to him. And he said, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Paul's prayer for the church was that they would grow in their love. Jesus said the most important commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So guys, we wanna grow in our love. We wanna grow in our love for our spouse or our roommates. We wanna grow in our love for our kids, for our family, for our friends, but for our community, for the people around us. Are you growing in your love? That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, he says, verse 12, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. You're thinking, what? You're in jail, man. I mean, how is that advancing the gospel? Well, he says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. I love this. You know, Paul wanted to be preaching. He wanted to be out in churches in Rome, and yet he's in jail. But what he realizes is, wait a minute, I got a captive audience, you know? These jailers are coming here, and I'm having the chance to share Christ with them. He's under house arrest, so there's people who are coming. He's able to write letters but he's sharing Christ all the time. And everybody in the whole palace finds out that he's in jail for being a follower of Jesus. And he's like, the gospel's being preached. Lives are being impacted right here. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. You see, there's not a competitive bone in Paul's body, right? I mean, he's like, I just want Christ preached. Sometimes we can look around, we can evaluate churches, or we can look at pastors. Or they, and wait a minute, no, 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 no. We just want Christ to be preached. We want Christ to be shared. People may do it differently. You know, I'd be able to do it differently all around the world. But is Christ being preached? Can I speak good things? Can I encourage people in the Lord? He says, yes, I will continue to, look at that, rejoice. I'll continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I know because you're praying, church, the power of a praying church, man, turn in your prayer requests. We're praying with you, we're praying for you. And the power of the Holy Spirit, it's gonna be my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage 
So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And I want you to look now at verse 21. This is so powerful. For to me, Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul goes, to live, hey, it's Christ. To die is gain. Paul didn't know at any time that they could come in and he'd be taken out and martyred. He didn't know at any time they could come in and he would be beheaded. But, but he said, hey, whatever time I have on this earth, I want it to be about Christ. And for me to live is Christ. We don't know about tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But man, for every day, for every breath, for every moment, for me to live is Christ and then to die is gain, right? To die is gain because I'll be with him forever. If I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is better by far, right? Being in heaven for eternity. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy. Look at that, joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. In verse 27, whatever happens. Paul's like, whatever happens, right? Whether I'm alive or whether I'm martyred, I'm going to heaven, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. He says, here's the three things I want from you, church. I want you to stand firm in the gospel, in the truth. And, and I want you to be contending with one another. I want you to be on the same team. I want you to lock arms with other believers. And number three, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. You know the phrase, do not fear, do not fear. It appears 365 times in the Bible. 365 times, one for every day of our life. You think God was making, a, making it clear for us? He's like, hey guys, I don't want you to be afraid. I'm with you. I am for you. Hey, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Hey guys, this is incredible. Man, I love Philippians chapter one. And if you're taking notes today, if you want to pull up the Rolling Hills app, there's some blanks for you to fill in. If you want to write down some notes, I believe that there's three life-impacting truths for all of us from Philippians chapter one. I want you to get these today. First of all is this, focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. I love where Paul writes. And guys, I got to tell you, this is, this is for you, church. <laughs> I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Until the day of Christ Jesus. Hey, don't let circumstances define you. Let Jesus define you. Guys, think about this. In the race of life, the goal is Jesus. And if we could focus on Jesus, you know, in a race, when you're running, man, the runners focus on that finish line, right? They are going toward it. 
So often we get distracted. We're looking around. We're looking at all the other things that are going on. We're looking at our circumstances. But what if we could focus on Jesus? What if I could just focus on him and become the godly man or godly woman that he created me to be, and I could fully focus on him? Hey, don't let circumstances define you. Let Jesus define you. Prayer moves our attention off our circumstances and onto God. You know what? Paul had a lot of time to pray, right? He was in prison, but he used that time wisely. And as he prayed, he put his attention on God. That's what prayer does. We move our attention off of our circumstances, off the things that are weighing us down, and we put our mind and our heart on the Lord. Prayer is powerful. When you find yourself in a challenging time, when you find yourself not knowing what to do, pray. You can say a prayer under your breath. You can get down on your knees. You, you can just stop where you are. But the power of prayer to put our attention onto God. Hey, look at this. Live on God's agenda and not your own agenda. Live on God's agenda and not your own agenda. You know, for Paul, his agenda, he wanted to be there preaching in the churches. God had him in jail. <laughs> But God had a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. God was using him there. And in our lives, we got to think about this, you know? None of us really planned 2020 or how it was going to go down. But maybe God's doing something bigger. Maybe God's at work in a, in a mighty way. Maybe God's growing us deeper and stronger right here, right now. now I want to challenge all of us. For the next 21 days, I just want to call us as a church to pray to pray and fast, a 21-day prayer and fasting. So today, August 9th, for the rest of the month of August, next 21 days, let us be about prayer and fasting. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a, a sign-up sheet online where you can go in and pick a 30-minute slot and just sign up for that 30 minutes. Maybe you've never prayed for 30 minutes. It's okay. We're going to be praying together for our schools. You know, our kids are going back to school, and a lot of them are scared. A lot of them are nervous. They're trying to figure out online. Some are going back in person. And what's that going to be like? We're going to pray for our teachers, our administrators. We're going to pray for parents. You know, I mean, it's hard. It's a challenging time. We have over 100 schools at Rolling Hills, in elementary and middle and high schools that, that come in. And we want to cover these schools and our children in prayer. And so take a 30-minute slot. Sign up. But every day for 21 days, just say, I'm going to carve out five minutes a day. I'm going to carve out 10 minutes. I'm going to pray what God can do in the midst of 2020. I'm going to pray protection over these kids. I'm going to pray God's blessing and even God's agenda. And then I'm going to ask you to fast. You know, maybe you're not used to fasting, but fasting is where I, I forgo something so that whenever I have the urge for it, I pray. And, and many people do food, right? And so just pick one day a week. So three days, right? Over these next 21 days, one day a week over the next three weeks and say, hey, that's this Thursday. I'm not going to eat from sunup to sundown so that whenever I have that urge to eat, I, I'm going to be reminded to pray. Maybe for you, it's social media, right? I mean, because you've been consumed with it. And just say, hey, this Tuesday, I'm not going to be on social media at all. And every time I have the urge, I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'm not going to let what the world says. I'm going to let what God says define me. And so I'm going to pray. But 21 days of prayer and fasting to move our attention off of COVID, off of everything that's going on, and to put our focus on God. Here, Paul goes, focus on Jesus. The second one he says is this, be joyful. Be joyful. I mean, that's amazing, right? He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel, to move the gospel 
forward. You know, joy comes when you realize God's at work. When you and I realize God's at work, man, there is just a joy that wells up in us. When we look around at our circumstances, we go, wait a minute, God's at work here in my workplace. God's at work in my family. God's at work in my heart. Joy comes. There's this guy in the Old Testament, Nehemiah, and he says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And he was going through some challenging times, man. He was trying to rebuild this wall and he had a lot of opposition, but he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. God's called me, God's for me. I can have joy in the middle of this. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Paul's writing this from prison. He's in jail. And he yet, he says, I choose joy. I choose to be joyful because God has redeemed me. God has saved me. God's got a plan and a purpose for my life. Hey, 19 times in the book of Philippians, Paul uses the word joy. 19 times. And I just want to challenge us and encourage us as Christ followers. There ought to be joy in our lives. C.S. Lewis wrote, joy is the serious business of heaven. And maybe you know the story of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was an atheist, far from God, and kind of antagonistic toward people of faith. But, but then J.R.R. Tolkien and other people came around him and, and God's spirit started working. And C.S. Lewis committed his life to Christ, one of the most brilliant thinkers, biggest intellectuals of our day, our time, our generation. And, and yet God changed his heart and gave him a love. And he wrote his autobiography called Surprised by Joy. He didn't know that, that God brings joy in your life through Christ. That's what God wants to do. Joy is the serious business of heaven. If you're a Christ follower, there should be joy in your life. Even when things are hard, even when things are difficult, is there joy in your life today? Why or why not, right? If your focus is on circumstances, your focus is on the challenges, then yeah, there's probably not. But if your focus is on Christ and saying, God, you are sovereign, you're in control. God, you've got this. There will be joy in your life. Number three, move forward. Move forward. Whatever happens, 2020, right? Whatever happens, COVID, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Wherever you are in your life today, know that God is calling you to move forward. See, what happens so often is people just get stuck. And maybe you feel like that in your life. Maybe you feel like I'm just stuck. I'm stuck where I am in this rut, right? I'm down, I'm depressed, things are hard or difficult. But God's not calling you to stay stuck. God's calling you to move forward in your faith. Paul didn't choose prison, but God had a greater purpose. Paul didn't choose, like, he wasn't like, hey, sign me up, right? No, God had a purpose and a plan. I'm going to bring you to Rome. You're going to start sharing Christ with these palace guards. They're gonna start telling other people about Jesus and Christianity is gonna move throughout the entire Roman empire. Oh, and by the way, Paul, you've got some time. And so the letters that Paul wrote from prison are still impacting lives for Jesus Christ today. I mean, think about that. 2000 years ago, Paul's writing this from prison and we're reading it today. Maybe God's been putting on your heart, you know? Hey, I wanna do something that's gonna impact others. Maybe God's calling you to write a letter to your kids or your grandkids. Maybe God's calling you to shoot a video. Maybe God's calling you to do something that's gonna encourage somebody else, but to use this time, to redeem this time. Don't sit around complaining and wallowing. 
but always be moving forward. You know, I think this is what happens for so many people. And I've talked to people a lot of times and they're just like, life is so hard. It's been such a challenge. And, and they end up just staying stuck and staying in that same place. I mean, the apostle Paul, here he is in prison, but he kept his focus on Jesus, right? He was joyful and he kept moving forward. He didn't just sit there and go, hey, God, I'm so bitter about this. I'm so angry about this. Why would you let this happen? Going through this list of reasons why he could be stuck. But he said, okay, I move past that. God is sovereign. God's in control. And I trust him. Hey, you guys, I mean, 2020, I mean, it hasn't gone like it was planned for anybody, right? I mean, all of us have had canceled vacations or things that have happened at work or things that have been really hard or challenging or difficult. You know, all things work together for the glory of God. Doesn't mean all things are good, but things are at work in our lives that God is still sovereign. He's still on his throne and God is still calling us to move forward. God's saying, focus on Jesus. Focus on the hope that you have in Christ. And hey, be joyful. Be joyful. I mean, are you joyful? Are we living that out? And are we moving forward? Are we taking steps forward in our lives? There have been some good things that have come out of this COVID time, right? The sheltering place has forced families to be at home. And I hope and pray you've had a better time with your family. It's, it's also brought dads home instead of being out on the road and traveling. And I pray that we're redeeming this time with our kids and our families. It's caused all of us to pray more and to be on our knees and to really seek the face of God and grow deeper in our faith. And we can either be complaining or bitter or angry about what's happened in 2020, or we can move forward. We can step out. Now, also, I don't know if you've seen Hamilton. Yeah. You know, the blockbuster hit on Broadway in 2015 and, and how it's kind of swept over the nation. And everybody's trying to go see this, this incredible theatrical production. And, and now it's on Disney+. Plus. And so my family and I were watching it over uh, the last couple of months. And, and it really is amazing. If you haven't seen it, just the creativity that is well done. Uh, but it's about the founding fathers, right? Alexander Hamilton, who, who comes to America as an immigrant, who comes as an orphan ends up in New York City, becomes the right-hand man of George Washington, political adversary with Thomas Jefferson. And, and so he's a part of all the founding fathers. His political career takes off. He marries Eliza, one of the Schuyler sisters. And she comes from a family of wealth. And they were a wealthy family there in New York. And, and they have all this money and success, but, but they see this rising star in Alexander and, and they get married. And, and things are going really well for a while. And then if you know the story, right, and you know history, Alexander has an affair. He's blackmailed over the affair, publishes a pamphlet that, that outlines the whole affair, kind of the first big scandal in the United States. And how devastating for Eliza, how, how embarrassing. She burns all of his letters, um, just heartbroken. She has a son who's killed. And then if you know history, right, Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton have a duel. And at the age of 47, Alexander Hamilton dies. And the founding fathers, you know, and the leaders of our nation, he dies. But here's Eliza. Now she's left heartbroken. <laughs> her son's killed. Her husband dies. Her father ends up dying. And, and now she doesn't have as much money or influence as she once had. And she could have gotten stuck. She could have been bitter. She could have been angry. She could have been, why am I here at this point in life? God, why did you abandon me? But you know what she does? Two years after Alexander's death, she starts the first orphanage in New York City. Literally the first orphanage that's still going on today. It's still active, impacting orphan children, giving them a 
hope in a future. And then about 12 years later, she starts the Hamilton Free School in Washington Heights there in New York City to help kids learn how to read. And the whole reason she started it was because she wanted kids to learn how to read the Bible. Her faith, her love for Jesus kept her moving forward. She lived 50 years longer than Alexander Hamilton and impacted so many lives. God's not finished with you. God's not finished with your story. Hey, a little side note, you know that school that she started in Washington Heights? 135 years later, a guy named Lynn Manuel Miranda would be born a block away and he would write Hamilton, the play. I mean, unbelievable that God was at work in all of this, that God is always moving in your life and God is writing a greater story. Guys, who do you need to reach out to? Who do you need to share Christ with? And maybe you need to write a letter to your child or your grandchild. Maybe you need to encourage somebody around you. Maybe you need to grow deeper in your love for God and your love for others. Guys, this is your time. This is your time. Don't let circumstances define you. Don't let 2020 be a time where you go, oh, that was a wasted year, a wasted part of my life, and nothing good happened. No, let it be a time when you grow deeper and stronger and more passionate about the Lord than ever before. I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are, but God does. And God knows your heart. And so I pray this morning we would bring our hearts to the Lord and say, God, search me. I want, I want to invite you to a time of prayer. And, and we're going to share communion and just a, a little bit together at all of our campuses and online. And before we do, I want to prepare our hearts. I want to ask you to, to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. And the only reason we do that is to block out distractions around us. And right now where you are, we just pray and pray and say, God, come and search my heart. God, you know what's going on in my life. Maybe you're like Saul, we talked about, right? Maybe you've been pursuing money and success in your life. It just is hard and it's difficult. And right now you just go, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want hope. I want joy. I want peace. Come into my heart right now. Father, I give my heart to you. Maybe today you want to say, Jesus, I, I need help. I need hope. And, and Father, I pray that you would move my mind and my attention off of my circumstances. Maybe today you just need to hear the Lord say, do not fear. Do not fear. You've been afraid. Maybe it's for your kids going back to school. Maybe, maybe you're a teacher. Maybe it's for a family member. But there's been fear in your life. And, and today you just confess that to the Lord and say, God, bring joy, bring peace, grace and peace, Father, in my heart. Maybe today it's just a day to say, I'm going to make a commitment to go forward. I want to take a next step in my spiritual journey. I want to, I want to become a, a man or a woman after the heart of God. I want to read your word, God. I want, to, I want to pray with my family. I want to pray individually, but God, I'm yours. So Lord, here we are, your disciples gathered together at all of our campuses and all across the U.S. and around the world. And Father, we come to focus on you. Don't let us get stuck. Don't let us, Father, just focus on our circumstances or on the challenges that are around us. But God, let us set our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. God, give us confidence that you are with us, that you are for us. And God, let us move forward in you. Let us be men and women of joy and peace and purpose. And we commit our lives to you forever and ever. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we continue to worship right now. Amen.